Mark Selby, Chair and CEO of Canada Nickel. Uh, we are advancing the Crawford Nickel Sulfide Project aggressively towards completion of the feasibility study this year, just three years after we began uh, drilling this project in, in 2019. In addition to Crawford, which is the largest nickel sulfide discovery, uh, we've assembled an 18-target uh, district-scale uh, nickel package in and around the Timmins camp, which we think has the potential to be one of the world's largest nickel-producing regions. Mark, good to see you again. Um, just want to catch up. Saw the press release come out today, because um, I want to talk to you about it. There's been a lot, of, a lot of talk about how slow and how hard it is to get uh, assays out into the market at the moment. But let, let's start with the results first, then we'll, we'll dig into that in a second. What can you tell us? Sure. Yeah. So again, assays. Yeah, it was from, from some of the, some of these holes were from last spring. That is the reality of the assay market. You know, as companies, we have obligations to release assay results as they become um, become available. And if anything's material, we'll we'll disclose it. Because um, I, I know that's a concern for some of the, the people on the boards. Um, the yeah, the results in line with our expectations for the most part. I'm very happy. You know, with four different targets. Uh, you know, we, we tried to provide uh, some views in terms of what the grade were in terms of average type grades. And again, these targets that we were drilling, uh, you know, we, we, we were expecting average type grades. The, the, the nice surprise was Dargerville, um, which was, was uh, we thought was going to be average, you know, had a very large interval of 0.3% nickel, including a, uh, an, an interval within that of 0.34% nickel. And that's on a part of the target. Uh, that uh, you know wasn't particularly prospective, but it was a place that we could drill last spring. Um, we had to apply for permits on the mining claims to the north, and 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 for you know people in today's release. If you look in the northeast corner of, of, of that property, you'll see a very large magnetic target, and you know we were, um, uh, you know that is a very very uh, exciting target uh, for us. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be putting that in the queue along with all the other exciting targets on the other 13 properties. But the fact that we hit that much 0.3% nickel on, on something that's not necessarily the best part of that property was pretty compelling. The big part of today's results was, you know, again, it, it's one hole. We just said it was, you know, all done from top to bottom. But, you know, it's really the first step in unlocking what, you know, we think is this, you know, district scale potential of, of the targets that we have uh, in the nickel camp. What, what's that? What, what's yeah. what's Dunite? What, what's that going to do with nickel? What's that? The, the district scale? No, the, the, the Dunite. You're saying 480 meters of Dunite. Dunite. You, you okay, sound quite sorry. excited. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone understands why. Dunite, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Dunite is the host rock. That That is the type of rock that hosts the mineralization that we have. Uh, again, what we're looking for and, and, and you know what, what helps makes this, this, you know, again, lots of people talk district scale. You know, we, we used a geophysical approach to, to basically identify 18 targets. And when when we have this type of rock here, there's a certain type of magnetite that lights up within a certain magnetic range. And so we identified a, a whole series of targets and we went out and acquired an additional 13. You know, this, this hole today was basically the good, you know, decent mineralization from top to bottom. Um, two, just two meters down, part of the issues in, in Timmins is you have to deal with 30 to 50 meters of, of lake bottom that was there when it was a glacial lake. But in this area, it was only two meters. So, you know, you know, and it was much larger. Uh, we were expecting it to hit around 400 meters and went for 480 meters. And we're only starting at the midpoint of, of the deposit. So <laughs> hopefully, you know, we'll have an equally, it won't be quite as large, but it'll still be a fairly large intersection heading in the other direction. 
Um, but again, the geophysical footprint really gives us an idea of, of how big these targets are going to be. Well, well, I think that's the point to all this. And you, you kind of, uh, sorry, let me start with the assay things, if, if, if you don't mind, because you're saying this hole is from spring. So does it work differently in Canada? When's spring for you guys? Yeah, exactly. No, no, it, it's honestly, you know, we, we've, um, we've, yeah, we drilled this last, last April, May. Um, right. We work with two of the, the bigger labs. Um, and I know some companies drill, who drill three or four holes, you, you can call in a favor to get one or two holes worth of assays. But, you know, again, we've had, you know, multiple drill rigs going now for six or seven months. And with the volume we have, we just, you know, you, you, we just, you know, we're just trying to get all the assays through. Because, again, we're building a, uh, one of the world's largest nickel resources that's going to be part of uh, this feasibility study that, that's coming next fall. So, um and, and one of these labs is, is actually moving some of their assays offshore just to help us get caught up. So, you know, when the assays come in and Dargaville, the last last of the Dargaville assays came in last week, you know, we'll release them, you know, when it when it's material information to the market. Right. So you, you can't control, obviously, the, their business, um, but that seems yep. extraordinarily long time, Se seven months to get assays back. Is that because you're choosing to release it when you when you've done all of the drilling rather than in, in increments along the way, and if so, why have you chosen that route? Yeah, again, you're trying to provide information to the market that's meaningful, and, and if and if we've got just you know one of three holes on, on a thing, it doesn't really help. But you know, if, if it's if it's the same number that we kind of were hinting at in a press release, then that's really not material. So, um, you know, that's why we. Um, basically, uh, you know, have done it this way. And again, it's, I know it's frustrating for investors when you hear, you know, somebody says, oh, it's going to be another eight, to, it's going to be eight to 12 weeks. That's what we get told. You know, I can't go into the lab and look, you know, into the lab and say, okay, you know, can you really tell me what the number is? You know, that's the, you know, I, I get told a number and, you know, that's it. I mean, right now I, I stopped quoting, you know, when, when, when the assays are going to come because, uh, you know, as you can see from, you know, six to seven months, um, you know, we're not getting accurate information from the labs when it's going to come out. So they will come out when they come out, and when they come out, we'll release them. Okay, got it. Now, back to the point you, you said earlier. It's a phrase you used. You say a lot of people come on our show and talk about the district-wide potential, right? Yep. And yep. they're trying to sound like, oh, we're going to be huge, we're going to be big. But they don't, yeah. the, the bit they forget is that's a massive liability too. You've got to actually then do something with that district web to release that district yeah. web potential, right? So you've yeah. gone about piecing together properties and drilling and doing a lot of drilling this year to, you know, show scale. You always talk to me about the scale of the opportunity ahead of you. So two questions. So one, why is scale important to you? And two, how are you going to deliver that this year? Yeah. So yeah, number one, in terms of the first question with scale. If you want an asset, you know, that the majors ultimately want to own, you know, and, you know, pay top dollar for, you know, you need, it needs to be at a scale that moves the needle for their business. You know, that's what's so exciting about these larger low grade nickel assets is, you know, they really do have the scale. They're the only set of nickel sulfide assets outside of Indonesia that really have the scale that can matter to the majors. Um, you know, from, from a finance perspective, again, you know, if you want to go up the food chain in terms of, you know, larger and larger investors, again, larger investors need a company that has a market cap of a certain amount to be able to come in and invest, you know, in that story. And so, again, to have that kind of market cap, you need a deposit of a certain scale uh, to make it work. And so... But what, what, what is that scale? Give, give me an idea of what you, what, what you mean by scale, because different things to different people. Sure. You, you need to have, you know... 
again, in, in nickel, you know, given this, what, what's going on, you know, you need to have the potential to have, you know, multi hundred million dollar EBITDA and multi hundred million dollar cash flow. So you're looking, you know, EBITDA in the range of three to $500 million per year. You're looking at free cash flows in the range of two to $400 million a year. And again, that that's just, you know, that's just getting into the edge of, of what, you know, matters for these big mining companies who've got giant iron ore mines, giant coal mines, giant met coal mines. And again, they're in those businesses. They know those businesses are going to be declining in the long run as we go to a zero carbon environment. So again, what makes it even more compelling for these large low-grade sulfides, ultramatic sulfides like we have, is guess what? Um, you know, you can produce all of this EBITDA, but with a tiny, tiny fraction of the carbon footprint. And if the work we're doing on our tailings and waste rock come through the way we think, we'll actually be able to generate all of that cash flow with zero carbon and maybe actually help that EBITDA by actually having some carbon credits for sale. Right. So, but what makes you think that you can deliver that with Crawford? It's just one part of the story, but you've got to join it all up. You've got to finance it all. So what are you doing in 2022 that's going to allow you to maybe put something like that in place? Yeah. So you, you, the other key part is to deliver it. You know, again, you see a lot of exploration companies that show this, oh, we've got this 10 kilometer target, you know, but they blow their brains out spending $10 million trying to find something on one little tiny piece of it. And after two years of drilling, they can't even come up with the resource. You know, the other thing that's really structurally helpful with these deposits is their large disseminated ore bodies. That means, you know, with, with, with relatively wide space drilling, you can confidently, with the same confidence uh, that you can drilling a, a much more complicated deposit, put together a resource very capital effectively. And so, you know, what we're going to do this year, yeah, we're not raising $100 million to go drill these properties. You know, you know, we're still undervalued, you know, substantially undervalued for what we have for Crawford. You know, what we will do and why we have a sixth drill rig, we've got one drill rig right now, is we're going to start to work our way through these targets and Deloro which was the first of these results. Uh, it's not our best target. Uh, it's it's one of two targets where we, A, you know, have, it's on patented land. We don't have to apply for mining permits. And two, uh, it, it exists within our existing First Nations agreement framework. So you know, we're working on getting those exploration agreements in place uh, with the new First Nations that we're going to be working with going forward. And so, you know, we're going to be doing wide space drilling just to define the scale of the resource because then the, again the nice thing with these these types of, of, of deposits is the magnetic footprint you know to date with all the drilling that we've done you know we've got a certain magnetic threshold but when it's in that range you know we hit decent mineralization so Deloro is in that in in, in that range and again just to give you an idea of, of the scale of what you know what Deloro could be it's a 1.4 kilometer target it's 450 meters wide goes down to depth of 300 meters if you multiply those three numbers together, multiply it by the density of 2.6, that's a half a billion tons, you know, and it'll be plus or minus 0.25% on average. There's some, you know, again, from the historic drilling, we know there's some higher grade um, grades around the edges, but that's, you know, that's over a million tons of contained nickel. That's over half a million tons of contained nickel. Just Deloro, if that all pans out, you know, Deloro alone would be one of the largest nickel sulfide discoveries of the last 20 years. And we have 18, 18 targets. And the new 13 that we acquired, you know, of that 18, Deloro is probably in somewhere between seventh to 10th place in terms of the targets that we've got. Right. So tell me this, you, you're talking about an accelerated timeframe. You're going to deliver feasibility within three years of, yeah. of starting this thing up. Are you cutting corners? No, no, no. We're working with Asenko, who's one of the top engineering firms. You know, again, there's, there's lots of feasibility studies that are, you know, it'd be, 
they're not even worth using as, as bathroom paper. You know, they're that, that poor. Um, you know, Asenko is a top, top ton engineering firm work with SRK, Golder. You know, we're working with people who not only do studies, but actually build projects because we want to, you know, push this project, you know, as far as we can. And if we can get it in, into production, we've added some, you know, part of the release today was adding new team members to build some additional engineering bench strength to, to start building out the environmental bench strength because, you know, a big push starting with the filing of the permits uh, in this quarter is going to be permitting over the next two to three years. And that's going to become the critical path once the feasibility study is done. So again, you know, everywhere in this process, we've been staffing up as we're partway through, we're confident that we're going to deliver on the step that we're working on now. And we're starting to set the stage for the, you know, to be, to be able to aggressively advance to the extent that we can, the next stage that's coming down the pipe for us. So you need to deliver and package up a project for Big industry partners or big industry yep. takeout uh, uh, company, right? This company's going to come in and yep. buy you. So you, to do that, you need to know what they want. You, may, you inferred earlier that you, you you know what they want. And, and I get the Inca and Falcon Ridge background of you and some of your team here, but is that up to date? Do you, do you know what people are looking for today? Are you having conversations? Are people Because you, you mentioned something about a strategic partner potentially coming in at the end of last year. I mean, where's that conversation or other conversations? Yeah. Oh, no, those those conversations are, are going on. You know, again, through days RNC, you know, we had a number of technical due diligence get done. So it's either a big company, you know, who has their own internal technical team or it's a big financial investor who goes and hires consultants. You know, and that you know the thing I was you know one of the things I was most proud of at RNC. You know, we probably went through a detailed DD a dozen times, and you know only once out of those twelve times did did somebody find it you know an, an issue they were concerned about. So we were you know batted about nine hundred, um, you know on that front. You know, and we expect to be able to do the do the same here with with Crawford. And again, you know, we we are in those discussions with strategic investors. They are going through. Um, those kinds of technical reviews. And again, so far, you know, everything has worked out quite well uh, on the technical front, because again, when you have a competent technical team and you're using first rate technical advisors, you know, then those majors get the kind of information they're used to seeing um, and can get comfortable, um, you know, with the asset that you're trying to advance. Right, because if I, if I look back at your growth, right, I mean, it's fairly static. When, when we first started talking, when you first started this thing, 25 cents, that was the number, yep. right? Twenty-five cents. Three hundred and fifty yep. today. You've been up around over four. So, you know, for a brief moment, a flicker, a flicker exactly. of a moment. Um, but you've been around the three hundred and fifty mark um, for for a while. Have people seen the best of your growth profile, or because you know twenty twenty one was a sort of like flat year? Is twenty twenty two going to deliver any more growth story to this, or do we need to wait until the end of twenty twenty two and the feasibility study before you get gifted or granted or attributed with uh, the value which you think you should? Yeah, no, no, we really are. You know, as much as that rise was great, you know, we really are just getting started. You know, there's going to be two, you know, two ways we're going to we really, really add value, and and again, sometimes it takes a while for the market to get caught up. Um, and, you know, again, I think, you know, we think we're going to push higher this year. So on the feasibility study front, again, for a lot of junior mining companies, the PEA is the best number you ever see. And then it all goes downhill from there because we're aggressively advancing this. You know, we, we did that uh, with a resource that was whole 65. We're closing in on whole 200 for Crawford. You know, we talked about having a 50 to 100 percent more resource in the feasibility study than we had in the PA. That's going to add value. We talked about four to five percentage points of improvement in recovery. 
Um, you know, and we've 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 shown the results to date that are six to sixteen percent better. We'll see where we end up once you throw it all in the model. But again, there's you know a substantial amount of value improvement, and we're going to provide more information on that as we go through. That's going to help de-risk the story and demonstrate you know what we think is going to be a significant increase in value from the feasibility study to the PEA. The other big stream of news is again on this district scale. You know, I cannot emphasize enough. You know, just you know, what this could look like. There are half a dozen regions in the world that produce most of the world's nickel and have most of the world's nickel source. To make nickel deposits, you need a rip down into the earth, you know, to get material from the mantle to come up. Sometimes you just get one-off deposits, that does happen, but sometimes you also get, you know, a whole cluster of deposits, whether it's in Western Australia or in Northern Siberia, or in the eastern part of Sulawesi, you know, you know, those are the districts where a huge amount of nickel comes from. You know, again, we've got 18 separate, you know, th targets right now that we're pretty confident based on, on the work we've done to date, you know, are going to have some sort of resource, you know, some, some very, very large resources, some even larger, you know, than what we already have uh, at Crawford. And, you know, in, in five to 10 years, this district, you know, is going to be sitting up, you know, with those, those six other uh, large regions. And, and again, just to underscore it, and you don't always want to talk about someone else's property, you know, in your presentation, but I, I'm doing this again to underscore it. You know, we identified a whole series of targets. There were a couple we didn't get. One of those was Aston Minerals Deposits, which is 40 kilometers to the south of Timmins, so 80 kilometers away from where we are at Crawford. And it's only 10 kilometers from our new Southman project uh, that we picked up. And if, you know, look at the last three releases they put out, you know, they, they're on, on track for, you know, what looks like another Crawford, you know, it was in the middle, middle of the pack that we have targets. They've got one, we have 18. You know, the, the other part I want to make too is, is, is when these nickel districts occur, you know, it's not because it was some giant discovery on year one, and then it all happened after that. You know, the history of nickel is some people find some stuff that's got a lot of nickel in it and don't quite know how to figure out how to unlock the value there. So Sudbury was discovered in the late 1880s. It wasn't until people could figure out how to separate nickel from copper efficiently that Inco took off and become a, became a Dow Jones 30 company in the early early 1900s. Qingshan, Qingshan's Qingshan is, is built to become the world's largest nickel producer and the world's largest stainless steel producer. From a bunch of resource that was discovered 50 years ago you know that all of the stuff that's being mined in eastern sulawesi was drilled off to some level by inco in the 1960s and 1970s in indonesia they just thought about how to get nickel to market in a different way um, and had a market need there that needed a lot of nickel in a particular form and they figured that out we're doing that with low-grade ultramafix you know, the market needs lots of low carbon nickel that's not in Indonesia that needs to be close to where people are making cars in the, in the U.S. and Europe. And we think Timmins is perfectly positioned to be able to be that large supplier of nickel to those industries. So, so where, where, how far do you take this? Because I, I look at um, the, the BHP Wailu Norant deal. Yep. You know, I think that was a, a little bit out of left field uh, for for a few reasons, as we've discussed discussed on our um, battery show um, at Crux Investor. Um, you've seen a deal recently kind of come fall apart uh, with Sabanier. They were, they were targeting a, a project um, which they've had to step away from. So I, I get that the big companies are looking for big 
deals. But at what point do they step in? At you know, is it, like for, for instance, if if they were to approach coming like you, is it feasibility study? Uh, that's that's far enough, uh, young man. Uh, we'll be taking it from here. Or do you think that you you've got a bit more control beyond that? Yeah, the the, the only thing that we can do is try and make sure that our you know our, our market value you know is as high as possible relative to the value unlocking. You know, and if any 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 time we stumble or the market, you know, again, market fluctuates, if we get one of those market fluctuations and that gap gets too big, you know, we'll get pounced on. The, the thing, the one point I would make is, you know, again, big mining companies are not nimble. You know, Norant has was discovered in 2008. Um, you know, it's 14 years later, it became the hot item. You know, two years ago, it was trading at 12 cents and today it got taken out at a dollar 10. You know, Either of those companies could have bought it two years ago or three years ago or four years ago at a fraction of the price they just paid. Um, you know, the, the, the big mining companies are slow. There's lots of people in the organization who all have to get comfortable. And so something that's slightly new takes a little bit of time to get there. But once they get there, then you can have a whole herd of people you know, charging in the room, you know, to pick up that asset in Cabanga with, you know, BHP's investment in Cabanga in Tanzania. That's been around since the 1980s, 1990s. Now, we're not going to have to wait three decades because, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, you know, we're not in Tanzania and, you know, the nickel market is going to be desperate for large amounts of, of nickel by the middle part of this decade. And so, um, you know, uh, feasibility study is really a trigger. You know, I think, you know, I'm going to be you know, worried about the little red laser light showing up in my office, um, you know, as, as the snipers come to take us out. Um, sometime, you know, either side of that feasibility study, you know, starting the middle part of this year, you know, through the next 12 months, um, you know, we're going to have to push really, really, really hard and make sure people are very clear about the districts, you know, the potential we've got. I mean, to me, that I would be sad that we didn't have the chance to really demonstrate you know, just how big, uh, you know, this project, we think this project's ultimately going to be. And right. Okay. I was going to, I was going to, you covered a bit of market stuff. I was going to ask you about market conditions at the, at the moment, because obviously nickel went on a bit of a tear last year, price wise, the equities, not so much. Um, do you, how do you, how do you see that playing out this year? Will that price sustain, nickel price sustain this year? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've, um, each year sort of talk about the nickel market in the last couple of years I've, I've done okay. You know, this year, to be honest, I, I was surprised by this move up to, you know, we touched $11 in the last $11 a pound or $24,000 a ton, um, you know, uh, was pleasantly surprised uh, by that. Um, you know, fundamentally, you know, this year, I think we'll see similar to last year. The first half was a little choppy. Prices came off in the first half. I wouldn't be surprised to see prices drop below $10 a pound briefly. Uh, for a couple spells as we're getting big chunks of, of nickel supply come in. But the key theme here is, you know, every major nickel super cycle is driven by a new source of demand that people underestimate how quickly and how large um, it'll become. 2021, every analyst had the market in, in a 3 to 5% surplus. You know, we ended up at an 8% deficit, you know, the largest deficit in absolute and percentage terms that we've ever had, you know, in, in the nickel industry. They always underestimate stainless steel, so not surprised that, you know, they had half the growth rate there. But again, people are bullish on EVs, but they've got crazily conservative numbers. We are on an S-curve of adoption. And when you're on an S-curve of adoption, you get 100% growth. So guess what? You know, nickel demand from the EV sector, you know, went up 100%. You know, people are, oh, we're going to have 50% growth this year. It's like, if you just extrapolate the fourth quarter, 
for the rest of this year, we're already at 50% growth for next year. So next year's growth is going to be another 50 to 100% from the EV sector. And so by the time, just like this year, by I think by the time we get to the second half of the year, you know, this this another leg up in EV demand is going to be clearly there. You know, we're, we are going to be in a, in a sustained deficit position once again. And, you know, prices are going to move back up to the levels that we are now and, and potentially another dollar or two pound higher than there. And then people are going to realize, oh, shoot, we're, inventories are already on a weeks of consumption basis, about where they were back in 2006, seven, when we went on that massive run up to $50,000 a ton. You know, once we get to the end of this year and people go, oh, what happens if, if EVs grow another 50% or 100% in, in 2023, where's all that nickel gonna come from? So that market reality, again, you know, I'd love to think that people have the numbers and are sensible about it, but they're not. They do this every time we want to get into one of these situations. And in a year from now, there's going to be panic in terms of, oh, geez, you know, where's my nickel going to come from in the next two, three, four years? Because it looks like, you know, the market's really getting squeezed. Yeah, I think EV is the thing on most people's lips, but that that's not where the bulk of nickel uh, gets used up. So um, exciting times ahead. Um, can I just talk to you about the... You, you, you put a loan facility in place with Oromat at the end of last year. Yeah. Come back to the conversation with regards to strategic partner. Get that you're having conversations. Is that 10 million facility okay to kind of see you through? Is there a dire need or expectation that we can see a strategic partner coming in imminently with more capital or you're going to have to go out to market? Yeah, no. I mean, what we said in the press release is, you know, we expect to close that strategic investor by the end of March. We've got a facility in place that goes to the beginning of April, you know, in a, in a worst case scenario, if we needed to, we can extend it even further. But, you know, again, we put these deals in place to be able to give us some time with some cushion to be able to get the deal done. So, you know, wait, wait, can March, I, let, let me, I'm, okay, March I hear you. with some cushion. Yeah. And then okay. we'll see where that takes us. So, yeah. And those conversations are, as we said in the thing, are, are ongoing and, and, you know, continuing to progress well. So, so let me be cheeky. So end, end of March with a cushion. Got it. The conversation or conversations that were the, which you'd hoped to do at the end of last year, Christmas is a nightmare to predict because most people want to go on holiday, uh, especially after last year. Um, is, is that, is that with the same group of people? You're not having to start a whole new conversation over again. You're talking about the same group or groups that you were talking to. In Q4, you're talking to in Q1. Well, there's there's the same groups, um, and then there's new groups who saw the announcement and who thought, oh, geez, I didn't have enough time before. Okay. And we kind of shoot some people away who showed right. up at the last minute because we're in the final, you know, final. So my point so is, no yeah, one's walked away because of what they've seen. No, no, we've had to get more chairs to the table. <laughs> Good stuff, Mark. Brilliant. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and catching up. And also, thanks very much for all the contribution to the weekly uh, battery show. We'll see you again soon. Sounds great, Matt. Thanks.